Good morning. How are you? Great to see you. Great to be with you today. Uh, my name is Mike Domke, as you already heard. And we are IMB missionaries to Ukraine. We've been there for 14 years, raised our children there. Um, it is our home. Be that as it, be that as it may, excuse me. Um, uh, and I would encourage prayer for Ukraine, obviously. Um, we have three children. Some of you, you probably see our prayer cards, or maybe you have that. Um, uh, we have been there. We love Ukraine. Our president is Zelensky. <laughs> um, but I'm not supposed to get political. I'm not going to. <laughs> but Dr. Chitwood, the president of the International Mission Board, which is the sending, the mission sending agency of the IMB, told me recently... Um, that never in the history of our mission agency have we had so many displaced missionaries around the world, not just in Ukraine, not just in Russia or Belarus, or not just in Europe, but in the history of, of missions with the International Mission Board, never has there been so many displaced missionaries. What is going on in the world, Right? What is happening in the world? And, and more than that, we would want to know why is it happening? Isn't that the question, what and why? I imagine God's probably saying right now, because. Right? We would always ask our parents, why do we have to do this? And they would always look at us and say, because. Right? That's the only answer. I do that sometimes in Russian. Um, in, in a, I speak Russian. That was the language we learned in Ukraine. Um, and uh, they will... It's, it's uncommon to answer like that, but I would do that sometimes, and then they would wait for the rest of it, and I would just look at them, and then they would kind of chuckle and laugh. Um, but we are blessed to be there, and we are blessed to be serving there for so long and, and praying that we can go back. Currently, we are living in Hungary, Budapest, Hungary. We're there. There's an international Christian school, and we felt it was best for our team of, of church planters to be there because of the schooling situation, because we have school-age children. Um, I guess you call it school, right? A couple years of COVID, learning at home, and then being evacuated. We were evacuated in January of this year uh, by orders of the International Mission Board. They said, you need to leave. It's going to be difficult. And we did. And we felt led to be in Budapest. But uh, I just want to say thank you for... Um, supporting missions. You don't have to be here very long to see the, the thumbprint of missions at the forefront of this church, and thank you. Uh, there's a wall over here with all different countries on there, uh, Ukraine being one of them, Russia being another. And by the way, I'm not mad at Russia. I don't hate Russia. Um, I, I would say this. While God doesn't endorse tragedies and these difficulties, he certainly wants to use them. And that decision is up to the person on the ground. That's where the, the Romans 8 pass, passage comes in. All things work together for good. The, the qualification, though, is those that love him and that are called according to him. Right? So it's really up to us on whether God wants to do good or, or just it, it, it becomes another uh, footnote in the history books of this tragedy. And I want to share some of that. Now, I won't be able to share all of that. Uh, because of time, and that's why you've been invited. If you'd like to come to, I guess it's A100, we're going to share in a little bit more depth 
what are we doing in Ukraine? What's happening? What's really happening on the ground? And what is God doing through all of this? I'd like you to encourage you to open up the Bibles to, to John chapter 4. And I want to just talk about the well. The well. By the way, that, oh, sorry. Just, we don't need to have the tank uh, on the screen right now. There, thank you. <laughs> we, we went to talking about the well to a, to a tank, right? And you know what? Yeah, we're, this is a physical war happening in this country, but there's a spiritual war happening right here. Let's not get so enamored with what's going on in other countries and lose sight of the spiritual warfare that's happening. The Bible's clear. We are in a spiritual battle. And you are involved in it. Um, so we're going we're to touch base on that because in this passage of John chapter 4, which uh, I've titled The Well... And I'm going to read from verses 31 through, through, through verse 38. That's going to be the focus of the text. So let's start from there. Uh, I will lead us as we read. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him. Pause for a second. The disciples have just come back. Jesus sent them into town to get some food. And so they leave to go into town. They come back and they see Jesus and they, they see some things that are happening, and, and this is where we pick up the story. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, meaning Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he, meaning Jesus, said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food, this is a key text, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already one is already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps. I, meaning Jesus, sent you to reap for which you did not labor, and others have labored, and you've entered into their labor. Now, we've entered into a conversation, and there's some backstory that you have to know. And, and, and truthfully, this passage that we're, we're in, that, that I felt like the Lord wanted us to be in, um, you, have to, you have to kind of step back and see what has taken place. It starts with a woman at the well. That's where it starts with at the beginning of John. In fact, in this passage, at the beginning of John, it says that Jesus was tired. So he sat down near a well. And in the midst of his sitting down, there's a woman that comes up to gather some water. And Jesus engages her with a conversation. Jesus, as only he can do, he begins telling her that, you know, ma'am, if you... If you wanted to really have your thirst quenched, this is the, the Mike Domke version of the, of the story, okay? It's, it's, the, it's my paraphrase, okay? You're not going to find these words. But Jesus, as only he can do, he, he, he's, he engages this woman with a conversation about what's happening. She's there to get water, and Jesus sees her and says, you know, if you really would like to have your, your thirst quenched, I can do that for you. And they, they start having this conversation. And then the woman basically says, you know what, Jesus, I would love to have that water. 
Whatever it is you're talking about, I want that because, by the way, I'm tired of coming to this well and trying to get water and go, go back and forth. Side story, just a little, little, little bit about Ukraine. Um, we have wells all over Ukraine. Uh, artesian wells, every little town, every little village, we're, our, our little home that we live in, right across, diagonal to us, there's a well right there that people line up for and they get water every day. It's, it's a wonderful picture of this story, right? Wonderful story. People going to have to, to, to basic necessities of life. Now, in this woman's situation, Jesus says, okay, great, I want to tell you more about this, but what does he say to her? He said, go get your husband and bring him back. In the midst of that, she says, well, you know, Jesus, I don't really have a husband. And then Jesus confronts her with an issue, a, a, a situation. He tells her, you know, right you are, ma'am, because the man that you're with now is not your husband, and you've had five other ones before that. Now, before we get all judgmental about divorce and all that type of thing, that's not what the story's about. Jesus is addressing a heart issue with her. He recognizes that she is trying to fulfill her life, be fulfilled through something that will never fulfill her. That's the point of what he's saying to her. He's saying that, that the things that you're chasing after will never quench your thirst. It will always be there. This is a salvation question. This is a question he talks to her about and says, you know, how often or how long are you going to be chasing after things that will never fulfill you because that was that was the important question he needed to get to only Jesus can do that and he's done that in lots of stories in the Bible the rich young ruler you may know that story the rich young ruler right he comes to Jesus wants to know about how he can be saved and Jesus says you know you know what to do keep the commandments and he says I've done that since I've been a boy but then Jesus kind of turns the table as only he can he says okay then Go sell everything you have and then come follow me. Whoa, why would he say that? Is he mad at people who are wealthy? No, has nothing to do with that. It has the idea that that was more important in his life than anything else. And Jesus knew that. So he says, you want to come follow me? You want to be a believer? You want to go to heaven? Get rid, of, get rid of the gods that are before me is what he's saying. Now the difference between that guy and this woman, which by the way, neither one of them are named, the difference between the two is that guy, the Bible says, went away sad because he was very wealthy. In other words, he wasn't willing to give it up to follow Jesus. Listen, if you're, if you're not a committed follower of Jesus, you don't know what that means. Jesus has a heart question for you. Not a hard, but a heart question. He wants to know how long are you going to be chasing after things that will never fulfill you? Jesus says, I, only I can do that. Only I can do that. And that's the point of the story. Now from that passage and from that section right there, it then turns to worship. It's, it, the, the woman, it's like we would say, she's, she's changing the subject. Isn't that what we do when the subject, when the, when the conversation gets uncomfortable, we change the topic, right? Oh, well, let's talk about something else. And that's kind of what's happening here, at least that's what it appears to be. But she's following exactly what Jesus wants her to do because Jesus is connecting the dots from salvation and the reason she is saved is so that she can properly worship the Father. 
Because in the next part of that passage, she says, now look, we say that worship is one way, but you say it's another way. And then Jesus makes this very profound statement. He says, and he talks about it in, in it. And if you, look at verse, um, if you look at verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. That's what we have today, by the way. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Lord, but the hour is coming. Now it's here where true worshipers will worship the Father, what? In spirit and in truth. Why does he say that? You may not ask the question, but I do. I'm one of those like, like well, why did he say worship and in truth? What's the point here? I, I don't know truthfully. I don't have a definitive answer, but I can give you my thoughts on it, and it's very simple. The Jewish people of the day did have the truth. Right? That's why Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. We worship, the, the Jewish people, we worship what we do know. They have the truth part. And I think Jesus is pointing to the idea that we have the truth, we've got this truth part correct, but we've lost the spirit part. Because in their day, worship became, became this, this act of following rules and regulations. And the Bible tells us in this passage, Jesus, you could quote him talking about the Heavenly Father saying Jesus, that, that, that the Father is seeking such people. It's active, it's continual. Even to this day, God the Father is seeking that type of person who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you got the truth right, but you don't have the spirit right, it's wrong. By the way, if you got the spirit right, but you don't have the truth right, it's wrong. If you with your spirit worship some, you worship trees, and you may think that's comical, but it's not, we we, we minister to, those, to, to such people in Ukraine as well as here in America. People want to worship all sorts of things, and they find all sorts of weird things to worship. It's not the truth. That's what's important to us. We have to proclaim the truth, and we have to do it in love. Sometimes it's difficult conversations, but we still have to do that. So we go from there into this passage, this next passage with the disciples. And this is progression of... He, he, he leads this woman down the path towards to salvation in which she readily accepts that. We understand that. To then talking about worship because you cannot worship the Father unless you, unless you have become one of his. And that's through acceptance of Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. To the next section, which basically this is a discipleship moment. He is discipling the disciples. Why is he doing that? Because he knows that he's leaving and he's going to leave it in their hands. So he's wanting to train them, to teach them. Because they are the ones who are going to carry the gospel further. This is an important thing for you and me. Because this is the calling for all of us. Right? We are called to be disciple makers. That is the foundation of what we do. What do I do in Ukraine? That's what a lot of people, what, what do you do there? And some people are surprised when I tell them that I make disciples, we, we are church planters, we are involved in that, and, and it's kind of a surprise to them, and I don't understand why that is, <laughs> because that's what we're supposed to do. I don't have another task. Of course, there's other things that support that, but my task, even in the wartime, in the midst of that, even living a few hours outside of Ukraine, even outside of all of those things, my task is the same, to make disciples. Now, we believe that the, 
the embodiment of the church, the local church, such as Aspire here, is a great place that that happens. But just because you're here doesn't mean that you are a disciple of his. Discipleship is a continual, active process that happens in a small group setting. Can you be discipled by coming here on Sunday morning once a week and not being involved in the local body here? I don't really think you can. You have to be involved in a local small group community that that has accountability, that has biblical teaching, that encourages the principles of God's words. And, And that's such a scary thing because you become vulnerable to people. But that's what Jesus is doing with these guys. Now, let's look at this passage. Let's go in here. And I just want to share a few things about this. He's taking these disciples and then he gets into this question about harvesting. Why is he talking about harvesting? Why is Jesus in the midst of this, right? I mean, we're, we got a well, there's water, there's talking about food, and then he's talking about harvesting. What in the world is happening? Why is, he, why is he engaging them in this conversation of harvesting? And what does he mean by harvesting? Well, based on this passage... I think it's clear that the harvest that he's talking about is people coming to faith in Christ. And I think we love to put different spins on it, but it's really about harvesting people. It's about, it's about people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Let's, let's look at this passage a little bit, a little bit more, Right? Verse 35, there's a couple of quick things we can can pull from this. Verse 35 says this. Do not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Point I think Jesus is trying to make is that the harvest is ready today. Wherever you go, and, and by the way, that's the text of Matthew 28. It's not go to Ukraine or go to Russia or go to anywhere else in the world and make disciples. Wherever you go today, make a disciple. We were in an ice cream shop. I've, I've enjoyed ice cream lately. I've enjoyed lots of food since the evacuation in January. Gained uh, more pounds than I would like to admit, but... I have no pride. I've gained almost 20 pounds since January. So I'm, I'm, I am expanding the kingdom. <laughs> right? I am personally involved with expanding the kingdom. <laughs> but went to the ice cream place the other day, walk in the door, and there's this, there's this man and woman, and this guy was so jovial, and he was just vivacious, and he's being loud, and he was fun, right? And I was like, okay, this guy's fun. I, and I'm thinking, strategizing, how can I engage the gospel with this guy, right? He's, and then I learned that he's, he's celebrating an anniversary. He had been, uh, it, was it 33 years? Oh, yeah, that's us. I don't know, 30-some years. And, and then the people in front of us, they were also celebrating an anniversary. So there, was, there, were, there were three couples there, okay? We were not celebrating an anniversary. We were, we were hanging with one of the other couples. And I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy their ice cream. So I went to the front, and I told the lady, I said, which, by the way, is, a few years ago, an ice cream, today it's, the cost for an ice cream cone is a four-course meal, right? 
A few years ago, it wasn't. It was a little bit different story. I should have thought about that before I agreed to do this. But I told the lady, I said, hey, I'm going to buy their meal. I'm going to buy their ice cream. It could be a meal, by the way. I'm going to buy their ice cream and their ice cream. And so the next six people, I got it, okay? She said, okay, all right. So the people go through, and we're talking, we're having a good time and everything, and they get up and get their ice cream and go to the front, and he's trying to buy it, and the lady said, um, well, just a minute, we need to, and so then another person comes up, and she tells him just a minute, and then I say, okay, I got the meal, you know, so I bought everybody's meal and everything, and then we stepped out of the ice cream shop, and uh, we stood there, and I said, listen, I just want to celebrate your faithfulness together. The world needs people like that. We need marriages that stick to it. Right? We need that example. And I said, and, and listen, we're believers. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to pray, you know, because we pray at night. And we're going to pray. And I said, before we, before we leave out of here, I want to know what we can pray for you about. I don't know you at all. And then we shared names and everything like that. And then they shared some prayer requests. Now, they were believers. By the way, believers need encouragement, too. And they need prayer, and they need support. But they were, they're followers of Jesus, and they share with prayer requests. And they're right there in the parking lot, ice cream dripping off because it's Florida, and, you know, don't last for you gotta you got to be a fast liquor in order to get ice cream without. <laughs> it's spilling off and everything like that. And we prayed together. And, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that they were believers. All I knew was I have a task, and that the harvest is ready, and it's everywhere you go. So let me encourage you. Wherever you're going... As you're going, make disciples. That's a process of evangelism and discipleship. And that's what the next thing is. In verse 36, if you go further, it says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Look, when you're involved in, in the process of sharing faith, you will be rewarded. I don't know how. That's not my job. My job is just to share it. But you will be rewarded. We will be rewarded. Verse 37 tells us that there's a process of sowing and reaping. You have to sow in order to reap. If there's a problem with new followers of Jesus Christ here, it's because there's a problem of a lack of sowing. You can't reap a harvest without sowing. You have to be involved with that. Verse 36 reminds us that there's rejoicing in both. I have to skip through this pretty quick because, because you guys are regimented on time and I don't want to I don't, I don't, I don't want to be kicked out and say, never let that guy come back. <laughs> By the way, it'll be three years from now and you'll forget about me and it'll, you know, it'll be all right. But there's rejoicing found in both and there is rejoicing in both sharing our faith and then leading people to faith. There's rejoicing in that. And then verse 38 reminds us that there is no reaping without sowing. We have to be involved with that. And by the way, I know that's uncomfortable. Yes, I'm a missionary. Yes, before that I was a pastor. But those are just titles. I'm a follower of Jesus. I need to share my faith. It is uncomfortable, but I still do that. I, there's, there's people who are not very easy to share faith with. But you still do that because that we want them to know. Now, when Jesus said, my food is to accomplish the will of him who sent me, I was in this passage January 24th, January 27th, excuse me, when we were ordered to evacuate. 
And I was really struggling with our leadership on why they would evacuate us. This is my country. Why do I leave my country where you've called me to serve? And Jesus' example was saying, look, I have a task here to do. I have a mission, and I need to do that. Why are you talking to me about food? I'm trying to accomplish something here is what Jesus says. In fact, that's what he says. My task is to accomplish the will of him who sent me. God the Father had sent him to do something. I'm not so worried about food. And at the time, it was a struggle for us. But I want to share, because truthfully, I was, I was like, what's going what's to happen if we leave? What's going to happen to my ministry if we leave? What's going to happen? Let me briefly share about this, and I have to go through it quickly. Now you can show the tank. Um, now you can show the tank. Ready? All together. Now you can show the tank. <laughs> there, there it is. So the war started February 28th, and I'm going to go through just a couple of things. Show the next slide. So it, when the war started, one of the things we recognized was that people were, were leaving the country by the millions. And we began to ask, how can we engage the people? Because that's still our task. Can you get to the next slide, maybe? Um, and what we created was a digital engagement because everybody was on their phones, just like some of you may be right now. They're on their phones, and we wanted to engage those people. We wanted to target them because everybody's wondering, where can we go? How bad is the war? What's happening? And this actually says, this is Ukrainian language. That's what we began to focus in on. That says, you're not alone. And we created this website. It's called Hope for Ukraine in which we began to engage people we, we sent a, um, uh, we did some mass media through Facebook and Instagram and, and reached the next slide. You can sh show up the next slide. The next slide tells you that the first month after the war, 11.2 million people saw our advertisement, went to our, then began to go to our website. And at the website, we had live people there, which you could instantly message and share prayer requests. So we had Ukrainian believers on the backside of the website sharing their faith with them. And we saw lots, and there's a whole bunch of figures there, won't go through them all. There's 500 plus people downloaded the Bible in the Ukrainian language. Go to the next slide. We our ministry was called Generation, in which we tried to reach the next generation is what we were trying to do. And we were, it was a church planting school, and it, it was really neat how God was using it. We saw God do a lot of great things. So that's why I just put that up there. Next slide. That's, the, that's, that's us. That's us as the, the pastors and leaders of it. Um, the, you see me with the glasses. Then it's, this is kind of like our band photo. So go to the next slide. So I want to tell you about um, Rustam is the guy on the far right. But next to him is Sasha and his wife Yulia. And next to them is Oleg and his wife, Dasha. They came through our Generation Church Planting School. They graduated November of 2021, just prior to the war. Okay? When the war started, um, he's pastor of a church in Lutsk, Ukraine, which is in the far west part of the country. War started, and, and it, churches are much smaller. But even in this situation, after the war started, they had about 17 people left in the church. Okay? So it, everything went, went south. Go to the next slide. That's the church today. Um, they have over 250 people on a Sunday. Now, you could sit there and try to count 250 people, and you won't because they're everywhere in every little space that they have. That's what God is doing. 
through this horrible situation. Remember I said God may not endorse this evil and all that's happening, but he certainly wants to use it. And God is using it in tremendous ways. And God wants to, by the way, God wants to use the tragedies in your life as well. We have to allow him to do that. Give him permission to do that. Use that as a platform to share your faith with others. Go to the next slide. We can talk more in detail about that if you come later. But this is basically the areas we're doing a lot of work in. Go to the next slide. Over 5,000, this is during one week of the war, the, week, the 14th week, and I just, every week we're seeing numbers like this. The, through our sin relief, through sin relief, which you're familiar with, and through the ministry, we, we've given out 5,000, over 5,000 meals, hot meals, during that time frame. 192, almost 200 people living in a church building. You know, we, we removed the pews, if there were any, and put mattresses in, and people living there. That's just that one week. Go to the next slide. Seven new Bible study groups were started. 1,268 people repented, asked for forgiveness of their sins, and became followers of Jesus. That's just that one week of the war. Folks, we never saw things like this when it was good. We, just, we never did. So God is, used, God is using the ministry that we had been working with through these pastors through the humanitarian aid, we're still proclaiming the gospel. God is using that. Over four, almost 4,000 people heard the gospel. Go to the next slide. Oh, and that's us, sorry. I don't mean sorry, but I mean that's us. <laughs> if you don't have our prayer card, and please make sure you have that. Um, and you can be a part of our network as we send out email updates. Just see me, give me an email address, we'll do that. Let me wrap up the message by saying this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, why? What are you waiting for? The love that is sensed and that is a part of this fellowship, you can be a part of this fellowship and continue growing in your faith, learning more about Jesus, using how God has created you. This church would love to be a part of that, would love to disciple you in that process. Whatever it is that you're chasing after, it will never fulfill you like Jesus can. If you are a follower of Jesus, and I think that there's many here, I want to make sure we have perfect clarity on something. We have a mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, you do have a mission. You're, I am a missionary, so are you. You have a mission. And by the way, it's God's mission entrusted to you. The word entrusted is a very important word because it means more than just trusted. When, when, when the Bible says you have been entrusted, that means the expectation is for it to be greater than what you received in. So in other words, you've been entrusted with the message. You've been given this message. You have to do something with it. Don't be like the, the talent, the guy with the one talent that hit it and was afraid to do anything with it. Don't be like that guy because Jesus said he was wicked and lazy. You have been entrusted with the gospel message. You have to do something with that. You have to produce growth with it. You've been entrusted with that. You've been given a mission. That mission, you've been sent by God to accomplish this mission. That mission is to go and make disciples everywhere you go. Make disciples. Guys, I, I want to challenge you to be all that God has entrusted you with and to do with it and to do it here 
Yes, pray for missions. Yes, pray for Ukraine. But you know, I'm praying for you. America's a very different place than what it was three years ago when we were last here. And just like God wants to do something in Ukraine, he wants to do something here at this corner. I knew it as Southside Baptist. It's now Aspire. God desires to use you mightily for the kingdom. It begins with you and you. It begins with you, not y'all. It begins with you, singular. But you've got to accept that and do something with it. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for... God, if I can say thank you for this war, I, I, I think you know my heart in that. I, I, don't, I don't celebrate this evil that's happened. I don't celebrate the people that are dying. I don't celebrate the millions of people who are trying to find a place to live and they're trying to feed their families. I don't celebrate that. But I celebrate the faithfulness of Ukrainian men and women who are continually advancing the gospel in the midst of this evil. I celebrate the faithfulness of, of a church like Aspire who gives faithfully to support missions so that we can continue to do the work wherever you send us. I celebrate the, mission, the, the, the faithfulness of Southern Baptists around the world. I celebrate that, Father God. Father, I humbly ask you to use us to advance the kingdom. Help us to be faithful in that, for it's in your great name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. That was fantastic. That was... If you've been inspired and challenged by what Mike has shared, I know that I know that I have. Um, I spent a lot of years overseas, too, and um, my son Max down here asked me the other day, he said, were you a missionary? And I almost said, no. And then I thought, yeah, <laughs> because just like Mike was saying, every, everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you're a missionary. Um, I want to invite you to take some action this morning. I want to invite you to take a step, to make a decision. Uh, right outside the sanctuary here is a big pillar. It's wrapped in the colors of the Ukrainian flag. Did you see it when you came in? Yeah? Um, at that table, we have some opportunities coming up, and I would like you to prayerfully consider um, supporting our Ukrainian friends through either volunteering in the ESL and citizenship ministry, which I think you all know is my passion. Um, but it's a family ministry. We also have um, volunteering opportunities in our kids' ministry on Wednesday nights. So we have Ukrainian kids, Syrian kids, Afghani kids, all kinds of wonderful kids um, who need some love and attention. So there's volunteering for ESL citizenship kids. There is also, you saw the slide up this morning when you were coming in, Go Jacks is coming up September 16th and 17th. 
Um, this is a weekend of service for us to pray for and love our city, including the Ukrainian friends who are temporarily staying in our city. We have several projects specifically working with Ukrainian families, either helping them fix up housing or um, helping in the ESL ministry with visiting families with care packages. Um, there are a lot of opportunities beyond that, but please consider marking your calendar, volunteering to serve during GoJax. Um, finally, uh, as Mike mentioned, after the service in A100, just up the ramp here, Mike and Julianne will be there for a Q&A session if you have more questions about their work in Ukraine, how we can support their work with Send Relief, please go there instead of to your regular grow group, okay? And finally, uh, we must continue to pray for Ukraine. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the God of all nations. You hold every nation in your hand. And Lord, we wanna lift up the nation of Ukraine once again this morning. We pray for peace. We pray for the movement of your Holy Spirit that has never stopped there. War does not stop the movement of your spirit, Lord God. We pray that your spirit would move in the nation of Ukraine, a spirit of peace, a spirit of hope. Lord God, even when peace is restored, as we pray that it will, an eternal peace is what each person in Ukraine needs, just as it is what each person here in the United States needs eternal peace at your side Jesus we thank you for Mike and Julianne and their family their work we pray a blessing over their family and continued safety and we pray through your Holy Spirit you'll speak to each of us about how we can be a blessing to the people we meet every day in Jesus name